0: point you know you just you know roll pivot i mean that's really that's really what it all is to it when it comes to life in general it's kind of the mantra i've kept
1: what's up everybody welcome back to another edition of out of character with me ryan satin this week we've got probably our most newsworthy guest since i started doing this show so i'm gonna get right into this we've got former nxt champion former united states champion and current enforcer for william regal everyone watching or listening welcome to the show samoa joe what's up joe hey how you guys doing i am doing great how are you doing
0: i'm doing excellent i'm doing excellent uh enjoying a nice little evening at home so i can't complain
1: well that's good is there an official title for your role in nxt yet because i've been saying Executive Enforcer, because I like the sound of that, but they haven't really given you an official title yet.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, what can you say? It's hard to name a force of nature, you know what I'm saying, you know? I mean, <laughs> how do you put words to that, you know? I mean, really, let's be honest here. I, I can see why you're dumbfounded and why you can't come up with the name for it because when you see it in action, it's hard to describe. So, uh I mean, yeah, but you know, I, I like that, Executive Enforcer. We'll, we'll, we'll go with that for
1: now. Yeah, pitch it to Triple H, see what he says. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'll see I will throw that around the office see what everybody thinks.
1: Okay, good. How much of your real true self would you say there is in the Samoa Joe character?
0: Ooh, um, interesting question. What I've actually been thinking about. And you know, we say uh we we love to say there's it's it's you know what you are in the ring is 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 you amplified, is you uh kind of to the 10th power. But, you know, I think it's uh, I think it's a mix of things. You know, I think it's it's you know what 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 you end up being in the ring is kind of you know you pour a little of your own personality in there and then you take a little bit of your life experience and the and the many personalities that you run into that you've experienced and then you kind of mix them up in that middle vessel and that usually uh, kind of becomes the foundation of what you are when you're in the ring and uh you know I, I think that's kind of basically it you know it's 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 both personal and life experience mixed together and uh hopefully the the world can relate to that
1: you know, you're someone who I feel like is very grounded in reality with your character and you're really good at like, you're really good at just playing whatever whatever angle you want. You're good at like being a really evil guy if you want. You're good at getting the fans behind you and being that badass. Which of the two do you prefer to play though? Do you prefer to be like the badass with the fans behind you or do you like playing the heel role more?
0: Um, I, I, I think in general, I think I enjoy being a heel uh, a bit more. And I think it's because there's uh. A much more cerebral aspect to being a heel you're trying to elicit emotions that are often aren't uh, trying to be elicited from other human beings and it's uh it's a very different art you know the 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 art of appeal is something that everybody in life practices and uh you know very few master it but but you know everybody in some form or fashion tries to be appealing to 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 other people and uh the art of being a heel is is a very very different type of mindset it's, it's built on kind of logical manipulation knowing what Kind of plucks the right strings with certain people, and uh, that in and of itself, just as the kind of the, the mind game that it is, is, is very interesting to me. So it's always a bit more fun.
1: Are you a guy who is interested in psychology in general, like in life? Because I feel like in hearing you talk about it, I feel like you're you've got a good mindset for like what it what needs to be done to get that right emotion out of people.
0: Uh, I, I I I don't want to even come close to claiming that I'm an expert uh, on any aspects of psychology or sociology. But, um, you know, I know what I've observed in the world and I know what I've, you know, seen. And, uh, you know, I, I, t- I tell a lot of guys as they're coming up in their career is to spend a considerable amount of time observing conflicts, uh, even though it's unpleasant if you wanna be a part of this life because you have to know, you have to understand what the, what the world sees as being conflict, what they see as being threatening and dangerous. And, uh, you know, take those aspects and carry them over into your character. So. I mean, I, I think uh, you know there's in-depth studies to be done about uh, the, the art of what we do. I'm sure people have written their uh, their uh, graduation thesis on it, but um, yeah, I, I, yeah, there's definitely an aspect to it, and I think uh, a lot of um, really, really, you know, high-level, uh, really, you know, cerebral, cerebral wrestlers kind of have embraced that and uh, they kind of find joy in it. You know, I think a Miz is a guy who's another great example of that. I mean, you know, anywhere I've ever seen him perform he has an innate ability. I mean even with, you know, on a personal level, you know, if anybody can pluck anybody's strings it's that guy. And uh you know, he just he he finds a way to do, to do it and he gets it done.
1: Yeah, when I was uh prepping for this, that's that's fully how I feel about your character because I was watching, you know, from NXT to, you know, the main roster and and all around and it was like, man, you're you're so good at just like at doing that, at eliciting a certain response from people. So I really respect it. You're one of my all-time favorite wrestlers. Like I've always been such a big fan of yours going back to when i was like watching you in tna and before that like I've, I've always been a big fan of yours so it's it's cool for me to hear you say that because i've always felt like you're better than most at being able to do that
0: uh it, it, you know what and i think it's a little bit simpler than what a lot of people take it for i mean uh you know there's just there's certain things that you know people have said to you in a certain way that uh i think will universally piss off anybody i think there's a uh, certain ways of 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 just you know saying a very uh you know simple and banal sentence but just in your inflection how you say it to somebody it can become a very threatening thing and uh it's just something i've kind of you know picked up and learned and and what i've observed from people from watching the grades from watching those who are you know able to draw in an audience and stuff like that and uh you know it's like i said it's an ongoing experiment Uh, I'm, i'm by no means an expert but uh definitely uh learning a lot on my journey
1: Now you talked about life experiences and how life experiences mold uh, people's characters. When I was doing research for this, I saw that before you were a wrestler, you were a mortgage broker. Is that true?
0: Oh yeah. For a short amount of time. Yeah. How how Uh, does one sold? Terrible, terrible. uh, I'll tell you how one does it. Uh, basically you're out of high school. Uh, you know, you're kind of, or or kind of wishy-washy in college because you've hurt yourself and, uh, you know, you think your football career is, is, is on its decline, so you're not really sure what you want to do. And your buddies are making quick money, and they say, hey, listen, if you could take a couple afternoons and do some calling and, and 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 sell these people and be charismatic and convince them to uh, make a horrible life decision, you can make a couple thousand bucks. And, uh, yeah, I bid hook, lug, and sinker for a few months, but, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't really a life for me, you know. Uh, after you kind of see what you're selling people, you're just like, man, I am a – I'm a really horrible human being, so uh, yeah, kind of got out of that <laughs> quicker.
1: Kind pr- of got, got out of that pretty quick. My producer for this show also said he had a brief stint as a mortgage broker, and uh, I think I think a lot of people, I think a lot
0: of people in Southern California did. It was like a nice little quick stopover job, and either you embraced it and you became uh, probably one of the most vile individuals ever, <laughs> or you uh, quickly got out because it's it's a it's a rough business.
1: <laughs> well, okay, so how do you go then from mortgage broker? To UPW, like when did you say? You know what? I'm doing this. I'm gonna go try and be a pro wrestler.
0: Uh, you know, honestly, it was it was because I had made a kind of a transition into to working in an office. I'd never done that in my life. You know, growing up, uh, my family had a polyn dance troupe. I was always involved with that. So you know, I was dancing from five years old until well into my my twenties, and still kind of doing it off and on because you know you're never really out of the show when it comes to my family. And uh, uh, just, but really, wasn't doing anything physical. You know, wasn't playing sports. I uh, wasn't doing any martial arts and, you know, jujitsu was the hot new thing. And I remember I called up a kind of a local studio. I met this guy, John Della O. Great guy. And uh, he actually rented out the space to a pro wrestling school afterwards. He goes, hey, man, if you really want to work, I think you should stick around and, you know, I think you'll enjoy this, this pro wrestling school. I said, oh, I saw that. You know, I don't know. Not too sure. He's like, oh, man, I, I do it. You know, check it out. And I, you know, and I did. And I liked it. And uh, I got on with the trainer real well. The guy, we ended up breaking the end, a guy named Cincinnati Red. Um And, uh, you know, it was just, uh, it was kind of a whirlwind from there. I was doing small local shows. And then from that, um, I met uh, Brett Wagner, big swag at the time, who was kind of searching around for local talent to bring into UPW. And uh, that kind of transitioned me over to work for UPW and kind of in the pseudo early stages of the WWE developmental system.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I was—I uh, saw that your third match ever was against William Regal at UPW, which is like such a full circle thing that he was like your first established opponent. Um, and it's crazy that you started basically in WWE, WWE developmental. Now you're back at NXT, which is like to me such a cool full circle for you. Um, what was it like working against William Regal that night?
0: Oh, I was oh, it was amazing. Well, I, I think, and I tell regal this all the time it, it was kind of a moment in your career where you realize the levels where you see the levels to what we do and uh you know any young any young kind of up-and-coming rapper when they come into to the wrestling scene um you think you have a great handle on what's going on you think you know all the answers and you, you think you you know you, you, you know how this works you're gonna be a huge star and I've got it all figured out in my head already and then in the 15, 20 minutes I was in that ring with Regal, I realized, nah, I didn't really have a clue. But I was excited about what I was about to figure out because, I mean, he's just, he's just, a, he's that incredible of a performer and that much of a scholar of the game that um, just being in the ring with him literally is a amazing learning
1: experience. Yeah, it's cool. I watched the match just for fun last night and, uh, you know, you guys are like doing the reversing holds on each other and you're doing like full mm-hmm. technical work and only your third match. And I was like, man, that must have been, so much pressure on you to be doing like a technical wrestling match with William Regal when you had just barely started.
0: I would say Regal is of a level level that he was able to, I mean, handle that and me and keep the whole situation fantastic just because he's that good in the ring. I mean, he's that accomplished in the ring. He understands how to, you know, move, manipulate and do all the things he needs to do, get himself in the right position, get you in the right position. If you don't know what you're doing. I mean, he's he's one of those. He's a rare breed of a performer who can literally take a sack of flour and make him look like a world champion. So, uh, a lot of that I have to give him credit.
1: Is there any advice he gave you that night that you held on to for the rest of your career? Uh, yeah,
0: tons. I mean, we. I mean, we, I, I, it was that was a good uh, experience for me early in my career because I remember I was driving him around a bit, and you know, I mean, it, it wasn't one or two pieces of advice. It was you know, hours of advice, just kind of talking about how to conduct yourself, how to, you know, what is being looked for, you know, and this is all really pertinent, valuable information for a young guy and all very super honest information, which is what you don't get a lot of times when you're breaking into any business, whether it be acting, whether it be wrestling, whether it be sports, you know, you're gonna get a lot a lot of people just saying, hey, you're doing a good job and rarely will you get helpful, critical advice that is going to make you better. And, and, and Regal was very much that that weekend and continuing on throughout my career anytime that we spoke which you know was several times in my career he'd check in on me see how i was doing hey we you know we're still recommending you up here there's no moving on that but keep doing what you're doing keep at it and uh you know i, I honestly looking back i credit him with keeping me going because i mean there's several times in your career when you do want to stop because you know the the calls of a normal life of family of, of wanting to establish yourself or you know kind of out there and it's like oh, i'm out here Trying to live this wrestling dream and not really making it happen, but a lot of his encouragement and uh, and, and his knowledge really helped me stay the course and uh, be where I am today.
1: Well, you obviously had success in a bunch of promotions in the years that followed. I was I was a big fan of all of it, but how did you joining NXT eventually come about in 2015?
0: Um, I, you know, I had left I had left TNA, and uh, I you know I was kind of ready for something new and and, and new experiences and. I think at that point in my career too, I, I would have been happy if, uh, you know, if it, if it was a few more years and, and I would have transitioned to some other things I was working on at the time. Um, but uh, I said, you know what? Why don't you put out some feelers? I, I remember kind of, you know, sending messages through the grapevine, through uh, several different intermediaries. I think uh, uh, through Paul Heyman, through Joey Mercury at the time, through uh road dog, you know, Hey, well, what would be the interest of, of, of me over in WWE, uh, which for the most part had been, you know, largely locked off to anybody uh, who hadn't come up in the system for that while. And TNA guys explicitly, I think, um, were very, very much not sought after or not kind of the kind of owner. I mean, it, it wasn't like an official edict, but I know they they were in no rush or they weren't trying to hire any TNA guys, especially since there have been some past legal Um So... Um, you know, it was it was just kind of a shot in the dark. And uh, you know, within a few minutes I got messages back from all of the parties above and you know, they were like, you know, Triple H is kind of trying this new idea and uh, you know, NXT is this new thing, and you may be a perfect fit here for
1: what we're looking to do. And uh that's kind of when the discussion started. Were you did you have goals that you wanted to accomplish in NXT or was it really just a change of scenery that you were looking for?
0: Uh I think my goals are a lot different than, than most people you know like I, I I'm lo- I'm looking more for the matches and for 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 the moments rather than you know maybe for necessarily uh, a bunch of accolades so uh for me it was that it was like this it was a new experience it was a very very new environment and for the most part for the majority of my career an environment that I had heard about from a lot of third party accounts, Second party accounts, but ne- not necessarily uh, had experience myself. And it was like, well, you know, this has been my journey. I've I've, I've essentially kind of worked everywhere else but here. Um, maybe it wouldn't be complete unless I gave here a shot. And uh, that was also kind of a big factor in uh, me deciding to join them.
1: I mean, that definitely makes the most sense because like you said, you'd been everywhere. And, and at the time, NXT was really starting to make a name for itself as like the wrestling brand where you you wanted dope wrestling. That's where you could see it. So um, I think it made all the sense in the world for you to go there at that time.
0: And, and I, I, another big turning point for me was um, I was in San Jose the the year prior to me joining WWE for many a Weekend doing a few shows. Uh, I think I was finishing up with Ring of Honor at the time too. And uh, it was my first real experience with NXT and, and, and kind of what they were doing. And I had known the majority of people involved. So, you know, I was excited about it. Cause I was like, you know, this is awesome. And a lot of these people that I've known I've seen coming up, they're doing this great thing that, you know, kind of never been seen before, especially in WWE. And after that San Jose weekend and kind of seeing it up close and personal and kind of having preliminary discussions with people, um, including a really embarrassing incident where I didn't realize uh my agent was inviting me to the TV hotel for WWE. So as I walk in, you know, to the main WWE hotel, I'm like trying to go through a back door or something and knock walk not walk through the paparazzi because it's like, you know, I don't want. <laughs> it was just it was just weird. I wasn't part of the company, but I'm walking in the hotel. And I mean, the WrestleMania hotel, you know, just... the
1: the wrestler hotel at WrestleMania is like flanked by fans. So that's definitely not a yeah, place you can just yeah. like cruise in secretively.
0: Yeah, and it was like, you know, they are eating restaurant at the dinner inside. So it's like, I get this call. Oh, hey, come over here and meet us for dinner real quick. Yeah, I'll be right over. And as I pull up, you know, my Uber, I'm like, oh, can't keep driving around the building. You know,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, that's great. Well, you know, Kevin Owens has talked about when, how, when he joined NXT, he was told not to get his hopes up about going to Raw or SmackDown. Uh, what did they say to you in that regard?
0: Oh, the same if probably a little bit less of a good forecast. I mean, which I was, you know, like I think people think I I get like hurt when I hear that, but like I've I've experienced this my entire career, everywhere I've gone, uh, everywhere. You know, from I remember, you know, I had to give Gabe a, a bunch of guff about this. Now, when I say, and we laugh about it, but like you know, my my initial time in Ring of Honor, um, you know, hey, we can't afford a California flight. You know, bringing you in for this one match. It'll be cool. Then we went out there, had one match, and then it was like, "Hey, you're you're working for us every every month, every week, anytime we have a show, you're on it." Uh, TNA, uh, the and, and and once again, Dutch Mantel, probably one of my favorite people in life, uh, one of the great characters in wrestling. Uh, I remember I'm gonna walk out for my match on on, on Impact, my very first match. And he looks me up and he goes, Oh son, you only get one chance to make a first impression. Doesn't look like you're about to make a good one." All right, go out there and get him, kid. And it was just like you know, walk through the curtain. <laughs> and i am and i you know and, and like i'd known dutch a little bit for there and i'm dying laughing as i'm walking down the ramp just like so i mean like uh being doubted uh walking through the door is is absolutely uh, it's it, i mean i'm numb to it uh so you know even being told that i'm like that's great cool you know and then you know once i was in things changed very rapidly and uh i'm just happy that um WWE is willing to change with those things that as they change rapidly. And uh, we went through several contracts in the short amount of time, but uh, <laughs> we finally got on one that we all liked and uh, we went from there.
1: Well, you know, and speaking of that, because, you know, I know that when you came in originally, you were able to kind of still do indies and stuff, but your debut at TakeOver Unstoppable was such a big shock to everybody because I don't think anybody was expecting at the time and, and it, it didn't leak before. So, everybody was pumped about it. How many people did you actually tell beforehand that you'd be there?
0: Uh, I think in the no maybe four people yeah that makes sense I mean and most things I do yeah, most most things I do you know are 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 that way I mean it's just I think I think uh making an effort to keep a bit of surprise it just it benefits the fans. I think it makes for those great moments and uh, you know, I know every, you know, the, the businesses to get the inside information. But um, I, I do my best to try to uh, preserve what I can so that there are those moments there is that uh, kind of unexpected like, oh wow, I didn't see that coming. So uh, those are the, it, it, was, it was good that we were able to pull that off. We were, I was very happy with
1: it. I think you're one of the few people in wrestling who is still able to maintain that level of believability in all things you do like in the ring you look like you kick the crap out of people you know when you're doing stuff like that you're you're able to maintain a level of secrecy because you don't talk to a bunch of people and you keep it in so for me that's why i think you have such a cool allure to you because um you're just like you're you're, you're able to move in the shadows and still do badass stuff and it's awesome
0: Uh, yeah i mean i've been a proponent for a long time like you know i i i don't think social media is a terrible terrible thing but I think, uh, you know, it's, it's a bit of a crutch for a lot of people and, you know, some of y'all kind of reporting your position way too much. That's all I'm saying, you know, keep a little bit private, move a little bit more silent. You know, and some of you just, you're you asking for, it. you know, sometimes I can track your night and it's not that great of a night, you know, you just kind of clowning yourself. So, you know, just fall back a little bit, come with me in the Enigma mystery zone where it's nice, you know, you control the narrative.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've really been trying to do that lately because I, a million percent got trapped in social media where it was like oh you got to tweet every single thought you have that's what you do that's what everyone does now and i just got caught in it tweet 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 and it's only been the past like i don't know like two three months where i finally had this big realization of like you know maybe you don't have to do that maybe you can just work and do your thing and make cool stuff and not have to tell everybody everything you think
0: i I think these unwanted screen time updates kind of change the game because like when you start seeing your Your app time, you just, you really start feeling bad about it. Like, four hours on Instagram every morning. What?
1: (laughs) That's totally, that totally didn't help at all. Like, those things would get me so mad. I'd get those alerts and be like, really? I spent how much time on my phone? And then I'd, I'd like make excuses in my head, well, I work on the internet, so I'm supposed to be on Twitter all day. And then it was like, no, no, you you don't have to do that. I wasn't working, I wasn't working that hard. I wasn't working six hours hard. You know, I also like that, you know, in your full circle with William Regal here, you know, your NXT debut was also kind of as an enforcer for, for William Regal because, you know, Kevin Owens flips out in his match against Sami Zayn. No one can stop him. Regal can't stop him. And then you come out and you get him to calm down and get him to go away. So I kind of like that you've always been an enforcer in NXT since the first day you got there.
0: Oh, I, I like it too. I mean, there's, it's a wonderful thing to be an enforcer. I mean, it's, you never have to explain yourself. Um, you know, you're always ready to go. You know, no nobody ever questions why you do violent and erratic things like, Oh, he's an enforcer. You know, he want this is, you know, he's gonna enforce. I mean, what you, what you want out of this guy? He's just trying to live his life, you know, like so it's always a great thing to be an enforcer in any situation. I Arn Anderson had it right. You know, he, he got he got it right a long time ago. And I just suggest, you know, all of us. Embrace your inner enforcer it's just, it's, just, it's a it's a very very liberating feeling
1: embrace your inner enforcer could be a good t-shirt by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you first started teaming up with Finn Balor in the Dusty Rhodes classic did you know that it would lead to a feud between the two of you? Um I, I think it was inevitable
0: and I, and I think we both knew but at the same time we both were really excited to tag with one another um it's funny, you know, like I said, me and Finn, we we, we had been friends for a while, but it was kind of friends in passing, because obviously, you know, Finn lives in Ireland at the time, was working primarily in New Japan, but, you know, uh the first time Finn came to the United States, he'd come to my wedding, you know, I remember Rocky Romero drove him straight from the airport, and he goes, hey, listen, we're going to a wedding. My, like, oh, shows wedding, I forgot, I think he forgot, probably with Rocky Romero, is a very, very forgetful man, didn't invite me to his wedding either, that's a whole other story. Ooh. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> he, I've really been digging on him about that. Uh, so uh, you know, he, he you know, especially since he brought Finn Balor, an uninvited guest to mine. But you know, no big deal. He brought a plus one. Okay, cool. No big deal. So, uh, he, he he track, you know? First time I meet him, you know, he's, he's he's partying at my wedding, having a great time. And then uh, it was funny. We kept running into each other, just like if I'd be overseas in Japan. Uh, you know, we'd we'd have the same sponsors, the same friends, and we'd always end up running into each other and having a great time. And then it was finally fun to get to work with, alongside of him in a company. And then while we were tagging, we had a blast. I mean, it was just it was just a lot of fun, a uh, lot of a lot a of, lot of cool road trips because uh, you know oftentimes we'd go do kind of loops with the main roster, and uh, it, it was a really good time for both of us.
1: When I had him on this show, he talked about how wrestling against you always brought out the best in him. What's your favorite thing about working with Finn as both a teammate and an opponent?
0: I mean, just incredibly charismatic. I mean, he it makes it easy when you're in there with him. Um, when he's on and and he's, and he's he's kind of made that connection with the crowd i mean it i mean i to to give you an idea i, I remember uh walking out for before, before a takeover and uh and i i think i was backstage and i, I think you know Finn got out first and you know the crowd with everything and the lights and i mean it just the, the place was just on fire and i remember just standing backstage and just going ooh follow that kid you know what i mean it's just it's it's one of the few times. I mean, it was just such a phenomenon at the time. It was one of the few times where, you know, that crowd is just hundred percent in his corner. Oh, and, and I mean, I remember we, we had the match in Ireland. Woo! I mean, you could feel it. I mean, it was in the air that night. where you know, the ho- the hometown boy was was going for it. So, I mean, it, I mean, those experiences I think are my favorite thing about Finn. Is just just an incredibly charismatic performer, and it makes my job easier when uh, he can rile up the crowd and, and get their hire going. and Just get them. Uh, one one, the demon to to kick ass
1: that audience connection is why your guys' match at takeover dallas is something i'll never forget because i was in the crowd for it and like the connection between the crowd and the two performers in the ring that night was just so magical because you know you get bloodied right from the start of it you know instantly and just like you could just see the rage building up within you as the match went on and so it was like Half the crowd wanted to see you tear Finn apart, and the other half wanted to see Finn win. Still, and just like the energy of that crowd is something that I feel like well, it's hard to replicate.
0: Yeah, especially that particular uh, kind of intermingling of energies because you have this tremendous fan base, and, and a lot of them there just you know Finn Balor fans. I mean, just I mean they're they're there for Finn, and they're there to see it, and they want, and I mean. They're in, and then you have Texans, <laughs> and oh boy, you know what I mean. But yeah. like you got Texans, and there is blood, and there is fighting, and there is a misunderstandings. And, and let me tell you something: there ain't nothing Texans love better than blood and misunderstandings. Boy, and it was just—it was just—you could feel. I mean, they wanted to see the fight. Uh, there was guys screaming that they were going to kill the doctors at ringside if they didn't get off of me, which was making me internally. High, laughing like it was just it, it was a really I mean it was a chaotic situation but like again like I love that I mean that whole that you know like I don't look back on that and say oh man that was crazy and I couldn't believe that I mean it was just chaos and emotion and everybody go every which way and confusion and just like and then we get into it you know we get into it and you know and it's like and they're freaking out backstage and and they're freaking out in the ring and people are freaking out at ringside and you know, and, and the and the best part is, you know, I you know we're in that. I know Vince is standing right behind Hunter in, in Gorilla Grill and watching this. You know what I mean? And I, and I know, it, it, it's just everybody. It, it was it was one of those rare moments where all the chaos actually made everything better.
1: Oh, and, without uh, question, for sure, for sure. It,
0: and if you were in the building that night and in the house, and if you could have got a, a tangible feel
1: for that energy, it, it, it was a wild, wild night. Dude, it, the, the the Texans thing said it perfectly because that is what it is it was like you could just feel those texans like he's bloody let him fight you know <laughs> it was like let him like, go like th- i felt I, I i
0: felt like at the beginning of the match there was a certain kind of you know a certain percentage of the audience that was just kind of like all right let's see what these boys got and then the minute that blood came out it was like boy it was it was man Cowboy boots and six shooters, bro. It was on, like everybody in that place was ready to go. It was, It was. it's now going down. There was blood, I could smell it, I could taste it. Oh, we gonna get a steak after this? Let's go, and it, it was like, that energy was very much permeating the arena.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, very much so. Moving on, I wanna talk about uh, you winning the NXT title um what was your reaction to learning that it was going to happen at a live event and not at takeover or a tv or something like that
0: oh i loved it i that 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 is what i i kind of signed up for you know the those completely out of left field what are they doing this is not right (laughs) no 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 wait it is right it is so right it's the greatest thing ever no it's the worst thing ever it's the greatest thing they've ever done no it's the worst mistake they ever made all of that too it was uh me and finn were on board from the beginning i remember when when hunter pitched it to us the i think the cheshire cat smile that came over both of our faces was massive and and at the time i agree it should have been that you know what i mean like you know finn was, was 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 hot you know and like let's not beat him on tv let's do it in a house show you know, and, and let's and like I said, we had these house shows, and and that became you know it happened a few more times yep. in NXT. It's just we we want that to be, you know to be part of that that road experience. We come to an NXT show, that unpredictability, we wanted to brand that on the NXT product at the time, and uh, you know uh, it was just it was a really wonderful night. And I mean, I think it, it, it's wonderful in the fact that you know it was great for us. It was great for me. I got to win the NXT championship, but the fans that night, uh, you know, they do a pan, they do a pan of the crowd and their faces and the shock and just this and like elation and people jumping and hugging their children like they won the world series and you know i knew they were booing me three minutes before but it was just such a weird like what just happened what, you know where, where are we what you know what is are there tv cameras somewhere it, it was just this really incredible amazing experience and uh to be able to have the opportunity to do that at this level is is an absolute rarity and, you know, hasn't been done in in, in an age. And uh, I I loved every minute of it. And I loved when I heard about it.
1: In that panning shot, there's like a little kid who almost jumps over the railing. He's so excited. Like he's like jumping up and down. So pumped. (laughs) And and, I mean, that's, and that's, that's it.
0: That kid right there, I think is the encapsulation of why that night was so great. And it was just when you can get people to feel that way, when they can walk through the door, and by the end of the night, you can say that you jumped up and down, screaming in joy, uh, and you had this incredible experience. That is very much the special reward that we get to uh, enjoy seeing uh, anytime it happens. And um, yeah, that that night definitely was that type of
1: when I was a kid, my stepmom used to always make fun of me and my dad for watching wrestling. She would go, Oh, wrestling and wrestling. And then one time for my birthday, she had to come to a WWE show with us. And I'll never forget. She was all pouty faced going there. And then by like the middle of the show, by the time the Godfather was coming out with the hoe train, she was like on her feet chanting for the hoe train and stuff. <laughs> and I was like, all right, that, th- there we go. That's the thing that I wanted to happen. So I, I know that for sure. Uh, I love when you can see someone become a fan like that or just, Mark, fan out like
0: that oh yeah absolutely
1: <laughs> so when did you learn that you'd be moving to raw
0: um uh, i don't remember exactly but um i remember hunter approached me and said hey uh you know we're calling you up to raw and uh i was like okay cool and um I, th- I think it was in texas i believe so uh yeah i flew down to texas uh hitting the bus all day and uh you know they debuted me on raw and uh yeah uh Another, quite a chaotic debut it was.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's pretty cool, though, that you got to be involved in a feud with Triple H and Seth Rollins right off the jump like that.
0: For sure, but uh, Seth's knee getting destroyed uh, right off the get was definitely not cool. No. And I was kind of like, oh, you know, it was like, I mean, you just felt, you felt terrible for Seth. You know, obviously, Seth was just like, hey, man, it's this is one of those things that happened. But I mean, that was, uh, yeah, it, it, like I said, it's, 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 my, my career path has definitely not been par for the course when it comes to, twists and turns. And that was definitely a uh, one of the bad twists.
1: <laughs> what was the reaction backstage after when that happened? Was it pretty un- was there unhappiness over it? Was it like, how did that go?
0: No, I it, I, it was generally just that. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's just one of those things that happened, you know? And um, yeah, there was no heat or or anger upset about it. I mean, it was just, it was really a freak thing, you know, foot just gets planted. Just perfect the right way. And pressure's going back and I'm falling on my back and boom. You Know, like that knee gets caught up and there it goes. And, uh, you know, Seth, I've known for a very, very long time. Uh, ooh, I want to say since you know, pretty close to when he started. And, uh, kind of, you know, I even told him back then, I said, You're gonna be a star. You know, what I mean, just seeing him, and this is early, like maybe you know, three or four months into his career. And, uh, you know, to see that, I was just, uh, it broke my heart.
1: Totally understandable. Well, we'll move on to something that I think was a little better. And it's one of the highlights of your WWE run to me. And that was your feud with Brock Lesnar. I thought it was awesome. Was that a match that you've been hopeful would happen since the day you signed with WWE?
0: Absolutely. Uh, and I think that if you are in this industry, that, the, the, you know, Brock is or the types of matches you should be seeking out. You know, like, uh, that's one thing I, 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 you know, when 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 you get into to this industry, you should be gunning, to work with the top, top guys. And, uh, you know, Brock is, a, he was the top, top guy, you know, and and when I was given the opportunity, you know, I, I did my very best to make the most of it anytime I was in the ring with him, because, you know, you, it's it's important. You know, you you gotta have a, a, a kind of a goalpost and you gotta have a, a bar of excellence that you maintain. And, um, you know, it's easy when you guys have guys like Brock, when you have guys like Kurt Angle, you know, when you guys got guys like Roman, you know these these are all gentlemen who, you know, you push yourself because they push, and it's uh, it's a good you know for me it's a good symbiotic relationship because, you know they're they're going to give as hard as they get and it, you know vice versa so, um, anytime I get an opportunity to be in the ring with those of performers or Randy Orton stuff like that I mean these are guys, who, you know, they're at the top of their game they do their very best to push on their opponents and they're going to give you an inch and you got to push back and you can't give them an inch and when that happens. There's a weird symbiosis where it's like, you know, you start producing really, really great stuff because, you know, it's it's a struggle out there and and, and you're getting
1: after it. I remember, you know, thinking that when you and Kurt Angle were wrestling, it was like, man, these guys are really going at it. And similarly with you and uh, Brock Lesnar, it's like my favorite kind of match where it feels like two guys are actually trying to destroy each other. And so I think that's why all your segments stood out so much with Brock, because, man, it looked like you guys wanted to kill each other every time you were on screen.
0: And, and that's the kind of energy you got to be have when you're out there with Brock. Uh, you know, it's just I, I, he won't—he probably won't respect anything less than that. You know, you know, if if you, if you don't show up saying that you're gonna try to kick his teeth in and you're coming after him, you know, he he ain't trying to hear it. So, uh, you know, that that's just—you got to keep that energy with him. That, and that's that's kind of what i what I'm alluding to is that, you know, you got to match that intensity. You, you can't walk into this kind of half-assed and be like, you know. Oh, you know, I hope this works out and, you know, hire you, sir. And I you know, can't wait to get out there and get after it. I mean, you gotta just go get it. And, uh, you know, uh, Brock has no qualms about getting into it into with anybody. So it makes for a nice combination.
1: You've had a lot of legendary matches. Where does this rank for you? Is it is that high up on your list of some of your favorite matches or at least in WWE? Is it one of your favorite matches you had there?
0: I think so. I think I think just, I think just the the whole experience in general, you know, the lead up to it, uh, the work I got to do with Paul, uh, you know, you know, Heyman's a brilliant orator and a, and a brilliant performer. And, uh, you know, anytime I get to, to, to be in a ring with him and, and do what I do, it's always a pleasure. So, um,
1: yeah, it, it was all of that. I, I
0: rank, I rank the whole experience. Um, not just the match, um, pretty, pretty high on my, uh, personal favorites of my career
1: understandable i rewatched them all last night and every single one had me hyped i was like ready to watch the pay-per-view match again and i'd already seen it twice so (laughs) I, i could totally understand that now another highlight of your time in wwe in my opinion was your feud with aj styles on smackdown you know i've talked about your time i've mentioned your time in tna and how you know obviously you guys had one of the best matches of all time there in that triple threat match. Uh, But one of the reasons I enjoyed your feud with AJ Styles on SmackDown so much was because you had already proven that in-ring wise, you guys could have classics. But I like this feud because it had such a great story around it as well. I think you guys did such a good job of selling the emotion throughout. Did you enjoy kind of getting to be like the most sadistic version of yourself in that story?
0: That's probably one of my more favorite things that I've done (laughs) in my career. But a lot of it too was was that um, I think that feud was kind of the best encapsula- encapsulation of what the the best of us is in WWE. I mean uh and what and how they and their style and what they do. Um you know they they have the ability to produce something like that because you know we we can go a little bit more in depth. We can uh you know go out to the house and have me sit on the front porch with the camera crew and uh, uh say horrible uh somewhat uh threatening things. Uh and just kind of giving me the license to to kind of work work with the, the you know with what I was saying and and uh you know kind of let me be me. And um, it, it, it was a lot of fun. Real, I mean, you know, road road dog work was kind of real big and instrumental in a lot of that at the time. And uh yeah, we would just we'd come up with great stuff and uh you know, work with AJ was great, working with Wendy's great. Uh, you know, I, I've known the man forever and he's he's practically a brother to me and uh you know, for me, it was, it was just very, very funny because I've known Wendy forever. And, uh, you know, it's just such a, a departure and how I view Wendy and how <laughs> and how I've known Wendy my entire life. So, uh, it, it, it was fun in that aspect too. And, uh, you know, AJ is, 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 is as advertised, you know, he's phenomenal. Anytime I step in the ring with him, um, it's probably the easiest thing in the world because, uh, you know, uh, he, he, he can make anything or anybody look great. And, uh, and being in the ring with him is always a, it's a pleasure. You know, it's, it's never not, it's never not awesome.
1: I rewatched that house thing last night and <laughs> AJ had me cracking up. I forgot how funny it is when he's like, Hey dude, come on. That's my house, dude. Dude, don't do that, dude. That's my <laughs> house. What are you doing, Joe? Like, What are you doing? That's my, that's my house. Don't do it, dude. Uh, so I loved it. I loved it. That whole thing was so great. When you did the Wendy promo, did you get praised backstage by a lot of people? Because I thought that promo was awesome. The, the whole thing.
0: Uh, yeah. I think just people started to really think how, twisted my head was (laughs) when i come up with a lot of the stuff um yeah no yeah it it was it was really well received and 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 people liked it and they dug it and they're happy with it and uh you know i I was i was more than happy to do it so it was a lot of
1: fun when you see wendy now do you still talk to her like that like oh wendy like when you see her are you a little more nice now
0: oh no she wouldn't put up with it you shut up and just like she'd probably like yeah like Wendy he
1: don't mess around, trust
0: me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she probably like tell me go like, can you go help Alan get the kids out the car? All right. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry,
1: Wendy, my bad. Sorry, sorry. Uh, who first approached yeah, you? Yeah, sorry. Who first approached you about doing color commentary on RAW?
0: Um. So, it, I don't know, uh, I think I had done a few spots on the pre-show that they enjoyed, and um, and then while I was out injured, they uh. They asked me if I wanted to come in and do do color on raw, and I said sure, you know, no problem. And it really, I really wasn't asked. It was just kind of, hey, what are you doing Monday, you know? <laughs> and uh, come on in, do some color, and uh, it kind of just evolved from there.
1: Is that something that you had thought about doing when your career came to an end already, or is that something that you had not really thought about?
0: No, uh, ne- no, never, never really thought about it in depth. Um, was a you know was it something I, Oh, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. But I, I never really thought of it um, uh, as something that I was gunning for that. I, I would see myself transition into after wrestling, but, um, you know, I had a lot of fun, you know, it was, it was, a good time. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's, 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 it was, it was a cool, it was cool seeing kind of a different aspect of, of the business after being in it so long and just, uh, you know, being on the cans and hearing all the, the production mayhem and, and getting a handle for, the tremendous effort that goes into producing weekly live television. Uh, even, even as us wrestlers, we don't really get the full scope of everything going on behind the scenes and, and, and how much needs to fall into place at just the exact right, right time. And uh, my experience in commentary definitely gave me a, a, a greater appreciation of that.
1: How helpful were Tom Phillips and Byron Saxton with the transition?
0: Oh, fantastic! I mean, both both guys just incredible professionals. Just, you know, really wanting to put out the best show that they can, and doing everything they can to be as helpful as they can. And uh, you know, Tom was fantastic. Byron, Byron's great. You know, like just you know, uh, he's 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 a guy that's solid as a rock, just stays in the cut and
1: and and keeps pumping. And uh,
0: you know, both those guys it made a lot of fun, and I enjoyed my time with them.
1: Too. What was your favorite part about being an announcer?
0: Um. You Know, I just you know, it sounds a bit selfish, but you know, it's popping the boys, you know, just <laughs> you know, sometimes giving you know, and really, you know, guys would like calls that you know, calls that it did or I made something sound cool if they did, and you know, it's just cool to walk back along go, Oh, thanks, man, that was cool, I like that. You know, was, I had no problem. Man. You know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> what was your least favorite part about it?
0: Uh, it's just it's it's a high stress job, man, it's crazy, you know, you're it's 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 live television. A lot of times, you know, changes and revisions are being made on the fly, and and you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta hit the mark when it comes to it. You know what I mean? And and it, it's it. Make no mistake the the man that sits is uh, the main commentator on both Raw and SmackDown. That is a individual who is a multitasker beyond belief. You know, my respect for Michael Cole, for Tom, for anybody who sits in that chair. You know, like any anybody who sits down in that commentary chair. It has to direct that traffic let me tell you air traffic controllers uh i mean you may think you have a stressful job but that man it's probably the most unique most high pressure job i think uh in sports broadcast and uh, it takes a special individual to to, to to do that job
1: yeah it seems stressful man like doing the job of michael Cole yeah. and tom phillips like oh god i couldn't even imagine like the different time cues you have to hit while also making sure you get the commercials (laughs) at the right time and changes like, Oh man, that's stressful. Who, who,
0: I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I, I I do not envy the task that they have to tackle every weekend. And like I said, being a part of the commentary team just made me appreciate the whole production process more and just the incredible, incredible amount of effort that goes into, um, you know, putting Ron Smackdown on the air
1: did you ever think that one of your famous WrestleMania moments would be on commentary as opposed to in the ring where you're out there wearing a poncho next to Michael Cole in the rain during a uh, rain
0: Hey, listen, cool. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs>
1: you
0: know, the, the WrestleMania moment is, is a treasured and a hollowed thing. Um, yeah, it's weird though. I, it, it, and as I got, you know, uh, after my last while, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get to this, but as I got released from WWE, you know, you, the thing I love is my favorite thing now because when I left TNA, it was the same thing. Is is now I'm getting the hang of this kind of transitioning and being out of a company. Is you go to YouTube and you start uh, seeing all your career retrospectives that come up. It's over. It's like it's done. This is they've <laughs> they've made the timestamp. <laughs> And, and now it's great because now that I come back to NXT now, like a lot of those retrospective videos are starting to disappear off those channels. And I just imagine a bunch of YouTube, I don't know how I got on this rant, but I just imagine a bunch of YouTube video editors just like, son of a, oh, just, just stick to the plan and get fired and just die in a field. Like what? You, like, <laughs> I, I just made a rise and fall video of you. And you haven't fallen yet, and this is just it's driving me nuts, man. Like what
1: You're killing my YouTube views? What the hell, Samoa Joe?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Go so, back to
1: the dance troupe. Come on, I mean, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you mentioned it. What were your first thoughts after getting the call about being released? Like what, what went through your mind?
0: Uh man. I what it, it was weird. You know, Johnny called me and uh I thought it was a rare call from Johnny. Hey, what's up, Johnny? How you doing? And uh you know, he told me, Hey, listen, we, we're we're gonna have to release you from your contract and, and I said, you know, I was like, okay, you know, like, cool. I mean, you know, in jail, you know, you know, we think the world of you and we'd love to work with you again. And I was like, All right, that you know, no, absolutely Johnny, you know, hey, listen, it's uh and, and, and honestly I I did have a bit of uh understanding. Um, obviously, you know, at the time dealing with injuries, coming back, uh getting getting ready to to you know you know, get get my rehabilitation going, all that stuff, and you know, we're in a pandemic, all this other stuff. So, you know, I got it. Like, it wasn't unexpected, but at the same time, uh, I I just I was relatively calm about it. I mean, I've I've kind of been in this situation before. Um, a younger me probably would have been really really freaked out, but I mean, at this point, you know, you just you know roll pivot. I mean, that's really that's really what it all is to it when it comes to life in general. It's kind of the mantra I've kept. So it, at th- that point, I think I. Was already kind of in the works, and you know, setting up the next framework for whatever else I was going to do. And uh you know, a few hours later, I get a call from Hunter, and uh you know, pretty much all kind of changed. So, I mean,
1: <laughs> so wait, it was only uh, a few hours after the call from John Laurinaitis that you got a call from Triple H saying he was going to try to bring you back to NXT.
0: Essentially, wow. Uh, I had sent, I well, I sent some some company farewell texts just to people, just saying, hey, look. Pleasure working with you. Some, some, you know, some genuine people that I really, really enjoyed working with and, and, you know, just some general, like, Hey, you know, thanks. And, um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk down the road at some point or something like that. And, uh, you know, I got a text back, Hey, give me a minute, I'm getting out of a meeting. And then, you know, we had a brief conversation, which was essentially like, you know, give us a little bit of time. i work, I'll work out a package and we'll be talking soon. I said, all right, that, that's totally fine. I have no problem with that. And, uh, led to my uh, return back to uh, nxt
1: so then i'm so that i feel like you didn't really have a lot of time to like be stressed about the situation then in this instance
0: I, I didn't uh well like i said initially like there wasn't a ton of stress at the beginning it was just more like okay we just got to rearrange uh life a little bit <laughs> yeah. but um which i know sounds kind of dismissive but it's uh like i said i've gone through so much chaos up to this point in my career it, it it, we're we're kind of like clockwork when it comes to these types of things but um yeah it, it was about a few hours and and I, th- I think the awkward part was this and this was kind of the funny side effect was and, and i'm thankful for this is that, you know so many people reached out to me immediately and and called me and were just like oh you know this is you know I, uh, sorry i feel bad but at the same time it's hard for me to genuinely accept their grief because you know it's like mm, maybe it's not that bad of a deal you know <laughs> but at the same time I can't really say anything so it's like me kind of sitting there going oh yeah I pre- oh, so thank you I appreciate it I'll I'll, I'll do well oh no I'm eating I'm fine I'll be safe you know like <laughs> and, and, and I feel terrible but you know at the same time you can't you know you keep things secret for obvious reasons yeah. but uh, you know I still have to feign all this Oh, yeah, see
1: what I can do. You know? <laughs> Dang, that's for like two months you had to do that too, of just like, oh yeah, yeah I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so
0: I mean and then when it comes out, of course everybody texts me right after the debut. Oh you SOB <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. um, I,
0: I cried for you. Oh sorry, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, did you have any reservations about returning when Triple H said that? I mean, you had just gotten released from the company. Did you feel like, well, maybe I shouldn't come back?
0: No. Um, and a lot of it was that, you know, me and, and Triple H had spoken uh, about this transition in depth further and it wasn't just, you know, coming back to NXT and being an enforcer and and and, and, and having a role on the show, you know, like now I, I, I'm working with the uh, talent scouting department, work with the Canyon Seaman, a um, few more administrative things here and there behind the scenes. So uh, it, it's a little bit of a transition for me too, into uh, some of the other aspects of, of the business of WWE. So. Um, you know, it's kind of an evolution on my journey. You know, I've gone through the commentary and production ranks. And now, uh, I'm uh, working a little bit more on on the behind the house type uh, type of thing. So, um, yeah, it's a it, it was a really great, cool opportunity uh, that Hunter offered me, and you know, uh, uh, you know, still a performer here within the bounds of WWE. So, it, it's a nice. It was a very, very nice uh, understanding that we've come to, and uh, I, I'm really excited about it really excited about uh, some of the projects that we're going
1: to be working on. On the talent scouting aspect side of things, it's I find that cool because obviously you're an indie wrestling legend. Do you stay fairly plugged into the indies at all still?
0: Yeah, I do. Um, you know, I, I always try to keep a pulse on just the industry in general. Um whether it be through just my me looking or just kind of, you know, my network network contacts and just people I know and um you know, I I keep really abreast of things and and you know, not only that, uh, uh, you know, outside of, outside of the indie wrestling world, just in in the combat sports world, and um, you know, in, in a lot of the athletic world, you know, there's just uh, you know, a lot of that world uh, was was kind of from my past, and I still have, you know, heavy connections in. So, um, yeah, it, it was a really nice fit. You know, it, it was. Um, I, I, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, giving an opportunity to uh, a lot of people that maybe wouldn't get the look that they normally
1: would get now since you've made your return to NXT, there's already been like a a bunch of teases for you uh, wrestling against people. Like not necessarily saying it, but you've had stare downs and physicality with people already. Is a return to the ring something that you're still working towards?
0: Absolutely. I mean, uh, we'll just say yes. Okay. uh, (laughs) We'll leave it at that.
1: All right, fair enough, fair enough. Now we just passed the 25th anniversary of the 1996 great American bash where Kevin Nash powerbombed Eric Bischoff through a table off the entrance ramp as someone who's now an authority figure in NXT and you got great American bash coming up. What are the consequences if someone were to try something similar to you at this year's event?
0: Ooh, I mean, consequences. I mean, it is serious word there. Um, you know, I, I'm not too sure about consequences because you would have to actually commit the act. And before anybody would do anything like that to me, I'm sure they would have trouble uh, dislodging my fingers from their throat. So, I mean, you figure out that first part of the puzzle and get the rest of the answer.
1: <laughs> now, if you could, who amongst the current crop of talent in NXT are the top four guys that you'd like to wrestle against?
0: Mm, great question. I think, uh, you know, carrying Cross, Pete done definitely are top that list. I think, uh, I think, you know, a guy like Walter, hey, people have been asking for it. You know, I, I'm not blind, and it's for good reason. I mean, the guy's a powerhouse, and, and you know, people want to see uh, some furniture moving, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, and then it's it's not just one or two guys. I mean, you know, guys from Adam Cole, Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly. I mean, there's several uh, very, very accomplished athletes in, in, in NXT. You know, and Bronson Reed, you know, I know he always yapping. You know? he, <laughs> he, he wants to get some. And he always runs his mouth, you know. Aussies you know they got big mouths down there you know <laughs> you know the kangaroos got pouches they got big mouths
1: this is the, you know that's Aussies
0: for you You know what you do you know <laughs>
1: uh well top of my list is Joe versus Walter that's the one that I think oh, I could I feel like that would just like the whole building would collapse on itself would be so awesome
0: Oh, yeah, I don't know. I agree with you. It will, you know, probably because I'm putting them through it. But, you know, <laughs> however that works out, that's how it works out.
1: Uh, I like to end each episode of the show asking my guests three questions about their finishing move. For you, that's the Coquina Clutch. So first, tell me, who's your favorite person to put the Coquina Clutch on and why? Ooh, that's a great question.
0: <sighs> you know, I'm, I'm going to have to say the tie. Uh... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say A.J., because A.J. always has impeccably-smelling conditioner in his hair. So it's always very pleasant for me. You know, I get a little lavender, a little lilac with my pain and agony, which is a rare thing. You don't get that a lot in combination, and you can't go out and buy that in the street. It's a very specialized type of experience, and I get to enjoy it every time I wrap my arms around A.J.'s neck. And so, I mean, he's definitely – actually, you know, that's, yeah, he's number one. I mean, really, you can't beat that. I mean, it's either – like, you know, sometimes the shea butter, I'm not a really big fan. We put that in his hair because, you know, it's just, it doesn't have the same scent. But when he gets the good lavender or or Wendy goes to the body shop <laughs> yeah. makes him wear the good stuff, trust me, great night for me, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Hopefully Wendy does it more often because I think the the lilac does smell nice when, it, when you're that up close with it
0: hmm mm-hmm. oh, it's very, very calming and relaxing. That way, when I'm driving home at night, I don't feel so bad about all the horrible things I did to the people I care about. You know, this is just, it's part of the whole ecosystem that I live in. I think you're starting to understand
1: that. I, I am, after this interview. Now, is there one time you did the Coquina Clutch that you wish you could take back, for whatever reason?
0: Uh, no, no, yeah. That has never crossed my mind. Wow. You know, usually I think about a lot of really profound things, but that, that is never a thought that is ever brought. No, absolutely not. I mean, listen. If 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 you've committed to wrapping your arms around another human being's neck and compressing that neck until oxygen and/or blood stops flowing to the brain, I mean, this is a pretty big commitment. I mean, there's no real like you know half stepping when it comes to that. I mean, either either you're strangling or you're not. I mean, you figure it out. So no, I, I will not. No, these are all conscious decisions, premeditated that I made as a responsible adult. Somewhat sociopathic, some would say. I don't think so. I just think it's me trying to express myself and how I live, Ryan.
1: I completely understand that. And I don't think you should take back one of them because I feel if I tell you to, I'm going to get it next. So I will, I'll move on here.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm glad. I know you didn't even write that question. It must have been somebody else in there. You wouldn't write something like that.
1: Yeah, my producer did that. My
0: producer did that. Poorly thought out when you (laughs) think about me, you know?
1: Uh, And lastly, what's the most memorable time you locked in the Coquina Clutch?
0: Hmm. Yeah, most memorable time. (sighs) See, that's kind of a complicated question. See, I usually black out in that kind of ecstasy filled rage towards the end of it. So it's like, I don't really remember many of them. But I mean, I think, uh, you know, anytime, anytime I was putting Kurt out, uh, it was always kind of a special time. And anytime I, you know, had Brock locked up, never quite got him out. But, you know, I got him purple. And, uh, you know, hey, listen, not a lot of people can make that man purple. And I'll take that. I'll I'll take that badge of honor.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Joe. I really appreciate you giving me the time today. I'm very excited to see you back in NXT. And I hope that we get some of these dream matches you listed eventually because they will kill.
0: Awesome, man. Hopefully. We'll see. We'll see.
1: All right. Have a good day, man. Take care. That was Samoa Joe, the new executive enforcer of NXT. I'm going to use that title now because it does sound good, and I hope he does pitch it because I'll take a little bit of credit for it later. Okay, make sure that you subscribe to Out of Character on all podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Also make sure you subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can watch the video of this show every week and a bunch of other clips related to WWE. And also make sure you follow WWE on Fox on all social media as well. Before I close out, I just want to give a little thank you here as well to my producer, Michael Davis. Uh, He's leaving the show, but he has been pivotal in getting this show to where it is right now. And so I just wanted to give him a little shout out, give him a little credit for all the work he did to get us here. I am forever in his debt. Okay, that's it. We're done officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this is Out of Character. Download the all-new Fox Sports app now.